I'll say good morning to you in the Savior's name. Welcome to our service here at Hebron. Let's worship God as we sing together the hymn 306. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. Maintain the honor of his word, the glory of his cross. psalm for today is the psalm 4. As we read this short psalm of eight verses together, we trust that the Lord will speak to our hearts. I know that you've got Elias in your arms, um, Reverend Josh Moffat, but uh, if you could, as we come to the end of the psalm, come up and lead us in prayer. I would really appreciate that. Joshua has some paternal uh, leave. Is that what they call it? I think the Reverend Greer said he was due 12 weeks uh, that he never got, so I think I'm just due tw- 10 weeks, but it's good to get a couple of weeks off and to be able to come and worship with us here. So Joshua, welcome you, welcome Leah, welcome Rose, Micah, and the newest addition to your family, and we trust that the Lord will bless Elias and uh, make him a man of God as he grows up in this world. When we come to pray, uh, we will be remembering the Wallace family. None of you will remember uh, Linda, who grew up in the church many years ago, and she went to live in Clock and attended the Balamina Church. And of course, we think of the Wallace family today, James and Eileen. Think of Rosemary, who's a member of the church here, 
and her sisters and her brother Samuel, thing of the Clinton connection as well, in this time of mourning. So we want to remember before the Lord the Wallace family. And then, of course, the sick of the church. We're thinking about Madge in the midst of her distress and her great need at this time. And Ivor, who's uh, come down with like a flu on top of everything else. So we're praying for him that all things will work together for his good and God's glory. And it's good to have Wesley back. Uh, I said he was back in harness, but maybe not able, he said, to pull too much at this time. But he was back at Sunday school this morning, and that was very good. And we continue to pray for Peter and his need that the Lord will touch him. And we've been remembering Tracy as well in prayer. Let's read together the Psalm 4. <coughs> it's a great verse. I can remember years ago preaching on it. I don't think I've ever preached it here, but in verse 4 it just says, Stand in awe and sit not. And sometimes we get to that place where we just stand back and we walk with God, we love the Lord, and we sin not, we keep ourselves from sin, but we just stand in awe of God and all that He is and all that He is doing. And may the Lord give us reasons in these days just to stand in awe. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing Selah? But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There will be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. May the Lord be pleased to bless his word to every heart. And Joshua will lead us to the throne of grace in prayer. And remember the sorrowing and the sick. Thank you. This morning, good to be fellowshipping with you again. Uh, we often, uh, we love to come back to Balamone. We love to see our friends and family here in the church that we call home. And it's good to see you all here this morning. As your pastor said, yes, I'm on paternity leave at the moment. Before paternity leave, I don't think I knew what fabric softener was. I don't think I knew how much dishwasher tablets cost. There's a lot that I've learned in paternity leave at this time. But we're glad to be here this morning, um, worshipping with you here in Hebrew. Let's seek the Lord's face together. Let's bow before his throne. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy house here in Balamone. Lord, we thank thee that seated high on the throne of glory today reigns God eternal. Lord, we thank thee that Jesus Christ is high and lifted up. Lord, we thank thee that thou art no longer in the manger. Thou art no longer on the cross. Lord, we thank thee you're no longer in the tomb, but you're risen in the power of an endless life. And today, even as we gather here and as we go through our many storms of life, Lord, we thank thee that Christ sits throned in glory. Lord, we thank thee that over all affairs, God is eternally sovereign. Lord, we thank thee that every instance in our lives is ordered and ordained by a controlling God. And we claim today, Romans 8 and the verse 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God. And Heavenly Father, as we come into thy house this morning, we do confess our love for thee. We confess that we only love thee because thou first lovest us. And Lord, as we enter into thy sanctuary to, to praise and to pray and to worship together, Lord, we ask for fresh cleansing through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Lord, each and every one of us have touched the world this week. Each and every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Lord, I need fresh cleansing. Our pastor needs fresh cleansing. Lord, we all need fresh cleansing. We pray that thou wouldst draw near and forgive us for our many, many sins. Give us clean hands. Give us a pure heart. And Lord, open our hearts to receive the word of God. We thank thee for those words that we've read this morning in verse 4. Stand in awe. And Lord, that's what we long for today. We want to stand in awe of thee. Lord, we want awesome preaching about an awesome God. Lord, we want awesome singing about an awesome Savior. And Heavenly Father, we pray that today as we would leave this place, we could say, we have an awesome God, an awesome salvation worth considering, worth thinking about. So Lord, do come and meet with thy people. We pray, visit this vine. Lord, come and tabernacle yourselves among us. We think of what John tells us in chapter 20, that then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Lord, that's what we want today. We don't want to just see our pastor. We don't want to just see a church. We want to see more of Christ. We want to be closer to thy precious wounded side. So Lord, do draw near. Remember the sick and the sorrowing. We do think of, of Madge and Ivor and Wesley, of Peter, and even of my own mum. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would draw near to each and every one of them. They whom thou lovest are sick. And Lord, we know that thou art the great physician. And we pray that thou wouldst draw near to their bedside, attend to their every need, and let them know the comfort and the grace of God at this time. Be with our pastor. Give him God's help and strength today. Lord, we pray that he would know the liberty that the Holy Spirit grants. Pray for this congregation. We thank thee for the Balamoni congregation. Lord, continue to build them up, strengthen them, sanctify them in that most holy faith. Lord, be with Bangor today as they worship. And Lord, we pray that they would know the help of God as well. So Lord, meet with us. Let us take today a forward step with God. For we ask these things in Jesus, all wonderful, all awesome, all eternal name. Amen. Thank you, Joshua. I, I know a little bit about fabric softener. Just a little. That's probably because I didn't get paternity leave. I do know about dishwasher tablets, though. And that brings me back to when Leah was at the primary school here. She was just very young at the time. And Noreen was asking the pupils, what does your father do? You know, what's his employment? What's his job? And when they came to Leah, Leah said he packs the dishwasher. So that's my, my title, as well as being a minister and a preacher. Uh, I'm a dishwasher packer, and uh, we, we, still, we still have that job. We still like to do that. Um, good to see you. Good to have you in fellowship with us. We bid you welcome in the Lord's great name to you that are in the house of God here physically with us, and then we have the extended congregation, some listening at home, uh, due to circumstances, they can't be here. Uh, it might be illness, sorrow, whatever. Um, we're thinking about you. And others that are listening in from uh, across the world on Sermon Audio, Facebook, and YouTube, welcome in the Savior's name. Gospel meeting, remember it, please, 7 o'clock tonight. I'm going to speak on the subject, Bowed Down with Sin. And uh, we want you to come and pray. Our prayer meeting is at 6.30. We encourage you to join us at the throne of grace. <coughs> Tuesday night is the outreach night as the children's meetings recommence the following week. Uh, we want as many of our workers and anyone else in the congregation, you don't have to be uh, one of the workers on a Tuesday night to come on outreach and go around the housing areas and just invite the children to come. We want you to come and join us here at 7 o'clock and then we'll go uh, to the houses round about. Thursday night takes the uh, the place of a, a deputation service, and that's at the usual time of 8 o'clock. Let the Bible speak, the radio ministry of our denomination, broadcasting the gospel through the world to many nations, will be represented this coming Thursday night. And being our deputation night, our missionary night, we will be remembering uh, our missionaries in prayer and also the need for revival. 
Youth Fellowship is at 8 o'clock. We were delighted to see so many of our young people last Friday night. And this coming Friday is an evening of prayer as the young people learn to pray together. And we look forward to that. So make sure you're there at the throne of grace, talking to the Lord and sharing the burdens that we all carry. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting is at 8 o'clock. The Sunday school at 10.30. We were delighted to see new children at the Sunday school this morning. And we pray that the Lord will bless the ministry among the, the young. The Bible class at a quarter to 11, as Phil continues to deal with the Christian armor. And next Lord's Day, arming ourselves for the assault by bolting on the breastplate. Worship service, 12 noon. We continue with our studies in Mark and the gospel meeting at 7. Reverend Alan Smiley will be here to preach. Look forward to that. You'll enjoy him preaching. But because it is the dedication of Elias Andrew Moffat next Sunday night, uh, the Moffat family and the Park family will be there in the will of God. So remember us as we go there and we seek to preach the word at that very special occasion. Can I announce again the ladies' meeting the 1st of February, Wednesday week, Pamela Fitzsimons. The wife of the Reverend Paul Fitzsimons will be here to speak the word, and Anna and Grace McTurnahan will be singing. And this is a little advert that you can share on social media, on Facebook, WhatsApp, whatever it is. Make the meeting known and invite your friends to come along. We mentioned that Youth Challenge recommences on Tuesday week. That's the 31st, the very last day of January. Let's be much in prayer for the children's work uh, this term. I'd also like to extend our sincere sympathy to the Wallace family. We've mentioned that already. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Wallace, James and Eileen. And we think of Rosemary, a member here. We think of Sammy and Irma, Evelyn and Jane. And then the wider family circle, some members that are with us today. And that's the passing of their daughter, Linda. 55 years of age. And after a battle with disease, the Lord saw fit to call her home and as well with her. I've always said there's nothing better for any Christian than to step into glory. Nothing better could happen to you than to go and meet Christ, your Redeemer. It's those that are left behind that feel the pain of parting. And so we want you to pray for the family. The funeral service will take place here uh, this coming Tuesday at 2 o'clock. And there was a member of Balamina, but uh, the funeral will be here where the family are and then across the road to the cemetery. And we want our ladies to help with the funeral tea if possible. And if you can, wait after the service, this service, please. And if you can't wait, then if you can text Aline or Helen and just get from them what needs to be done. Good to have Sarah. And I want to announce this. Uh, Andrew and Sarah have got engaged and we want to congratulate them as a congregation, pray for them, and we trust that the Lord will bless them as they start off married life together. It'll be this summer, in the month of August, it's all planned, and we trust that the Lord will go with them from day one. In our congratulations, we congratulate Trevor Owens and Angela Mills, because you see, they have a significant birthday that is celebrated. I will not mention the age, but uh, they've joined a very elite club, that I joined last year. And so that'll, that'll allow you to guess that was about around 50 or, or so, or so. You might need the soul in there adding a few years. We question, have you ever thought about joining the Hebron Choir? We need to replenish. Some people have been in the choir for 100 years. Um, at least they feel as if they've been in the choir 100 years. And we need some young ones coming up to replenish and to get in there and, and join in the harmony of our choir that we appreciate so much. Just to say that if, if you're a member of the church already, obviously you've been received into membership and, and all is well with that. You see, Sylvia, about that. If you're not a member, just that we talked with you before, you would join the choir. So see the minister, see myself about that, please. We got greetings this morning from our brother, the Reverend Ebenezer Nombre from the Philippines. He sent me this photograph, uh, his sister and two of his nieces as they 
we're in worship together this morning. And we've been rejoicing in the fact that Yuri has made it to Northern Ireland, but he and his wife and little Lucia, I think they're all sick at this time, so they're not here in God's house with us. But good to see Yura, good to see the wee family for a period of time reunited. He's here until uh, the mid of February. We're still praying for Valeri, Masha, and their baby. Uh, that's in process for them to come to Northern Ireland, and they should be here in a week or two. Uh, we need to find a place for them to live. So if you know of anywhere, an apartment, two-bedroom apartment, please let me know. Then we got some correspondence from our brother, Pastor Florine, and uh, this is a recent distribution of aid in the war zone. Our Romanian partners from, and uh, you can see the name there, you can pronounce it, and not attempt it, but these men are driving twice a month usually, at least once a month, sometimes twice a month to Ukraine, and uh, it's a big team because there's a huge amount of food and clothes and blankets and so forth that are being brought to so many needy people. And just pray for Florine and his team as they, they do this, and those then at the other end who are receiving <clears throat> all the, the help that is so necessary. We trust and pray that it will be a blessing. And so often they have the opportunity to share the gospel of Christ with them as well. He sent me a lot of pictures that they took of, of destruction and so many homes and buildings, places of business that were destroyed. This is just one of them. And the text came to me. I was reading it this week from Proverbs 24 and verse 20. It says, The candle of the wicked shall be put out. And we pray in these days that the candle of the wicked will be put out. Continue to remember Ukraine at the throne of grace in prayer and our brethren and sisters that are here. We continue to pray for the sick of the congregation, particularly Madge and Peter, Wesley that's with us, and Ivor and the others here with their ongoing health issues that the Lord will be with them. Please continue to remember them as often as you can at the throne of grace. These are all the announcements that we need to make. We're going to Sing together 503, 503, Jesus, and shall it ever be, a mortal man ashamed of thee, ashamed of thee, whom angels praise, whose glories shine through endless days. <clears throat>
We're coming to Mark chapter 8, verse 38. I have just the one verse to read. Other verses I'll refer to in the Scriptures, but this is the passage, this is the text, and I trust that God will speak to us as we look at it today. Mark chapter 8, verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that we'll be able to stand up as Christians and be able to say in the words of the hymn writer, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. We thank you that Jesus Christ was not ashamed of us when he came to this world below. And we praise thee for all that he did when he represented us in life and death. And Lord, as we turn to your word, as we come to the next passage here in Mark's gospel, we pray that there will be a settling down of our minds and hearts in the presence of God, that every thought will be brought into subjection, that God will direct our way, that all the distractions will be removed. Help us to think upon the Lord, think upon his word, think about what he's saying here to our hearts. These are the words of Christ. And Lord, for me to bring them, I need help. I pray for the Holy Spirit to quicken this life of mine, to give me the words to say, to fill me now with all the needed graces, to preach the glorious word of a glorious God. And may you speak to us, Lord. May you have your way in our hearts this day for Jesus' sake. Amen. What I say to you will be thoughts today, and this is really part one. It's Maybe you could say it's the big introduction to what I want to say to you next week. But this text here in, in Mark chapter 8 and verse 38 is the most searching, stunning, serious text that you could find anywhere in the entire Scriptures. This statement of Christ is given in the light of the glorious second coming of our Savior and is one of the most powerful and profound to ever leave his lips. In fact, I wrestled for a time whether I would preach on this text or not. Did I fully understand it myself? Can I properly explain it? Would I be able to convey the, the solemn message that Jesus proclaims? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I don't want to leave this text out of my studies in the Gospel of Mark. I want to try and give you a fair and an accurate explanation of our Savior's words here. We will be brought to ask the deep, penetrating question as we study this verse, am I ashamed of Jesus Christ? I trust those of us who are truly in Christ, united to him by faith, will be able to declare resolutely, as the great apostle Paul did, but I am not ashamed, not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Second Timothy 1 verse 12. He had already counseled Timothy as he wrote this letter back in verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Timothy, I don't want you to be ashamed of the Lord. And then Paul, he says, for I am not ashamed. Nearly 300 years ago, Joseph Grieg, an assistant minister in the Presbyterian Church of Walthamstow, penned a hymn. It's in our hymn book, 503. Um, we've sang it today, and it's all about not being ashamed of Christ. Jesus, and shall it ever be, a mortal man ashamed of thee, ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glory shine through endless days. 
ashamed of Jesus, O oh my God, who purchased me with his own blood, of him who to retrieve my loss despised the shame endured the cross, ashamed of Jesus, that dear friend, on whom my hopes of heaven depend. No when I blush be this my shame, that I no more revere his name, ashamed of Jesus, yes I may, when I've no guilt to wash away, no tear to wipe, no good to crave, no fears to quell, no soul to save. Ashamed of Jesus of my Lord, by all heaven's glory, glorious hosts adored, no, I will make my boast of thee in time and in eternity. Till then, nor is my boasting vain, till then I boast a Savior slain. And oh, may this my glory be, that Christ is not ashamed of me. Brethren and sisters, we should never, ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ or being identified with him. And before I come to the challenging words of the Savior and to the test of our own love and loyalty to him, I want to bring you to the place where we, and bring you to the place where we can declare, I'm not ashamed of Christ. I want to remind you that Jesus Christ was not ashamed of us. So important. As we think of this subject, not being ashamed of the Lord, it's so important to start here. Our blessed Redeemer was not ashamed of us. He was not ashamed to identify himself with sinners like you and I. How utterly unashamed Jesus is to be united in love to sinners like you and I in the fullest sense possible. This is manifested chiefly in the fact that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of the Father, the Lord of glory, took upon himself our humanity and was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth a son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. He was not ashamed to become like one of us. He took our full humanity to himself in the incarnation. He that was fully God made himself fully man and thus became the God-man forever. He did this for one reason, for one reason only, that he might save our souls from hell and destruction by reconciling us to himself through the meritorious sacrifice of Christ at Calvary's cross. When he came to this poor world of sin below, he did not isolate himself in a fortress or a castle and live a life of solitude far away from filthy sinners like us. No, he came among us willing to have such close, intimate fellowship with the worst kind of sinners that you can imagine. Do you remember when he called Matthew, the tax collector, to be one of his followers, to be a disciple? Matthew's wonderfully brought to Christ and saved. Matthew then organized a great supper and, and he invited his sinner friends to, to come to that feast and meet Jesus. These men that he brought were considered by the Jews to be wicked and notorious sinners. They were called publicans and sinners. Matthew gives the account himself in Matthew chapter 9 and verses 10 and 11. It came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Jesus was not ashamed to be there in that home with such people, with such sinners. He didn't care what, what people thought about him when he did this. And do you know what he was called? He was called 
a friend of publicans and sinners. I want to be like him in this very thing. I want to be known as a Christian who is a friend of sinners, willing to reach out to sinners with the glorious message of the gospel. The most amazing description of Jesus being unashamed of us and willing to identify himself with us is probably what we read in Hebrews chapter 2. And I want to read these verses to you. Please take time to listen to what I read just now. Hebrews 2 verse 10 through to the end. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. But as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, Wherefore, in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Here's the cross. Here's the suffering of Jesus Christ. Here is indeed the shame of our blessed Savior and all that he faced. There's a beautiful children's hymn that we sing sometimes, usually on Children's Day or some other children's event. And it says, It is a thing most wonderful, almost too wonderful to be, that God's own Son should come from heaven and die to save a child like me. And yet I know that it is true. He came to this poor world below and wept and toiled and mourned and died only because he loved us so. I sometimes think about the cross, shut my eyes and try to see the cruel nails, the crown of thorns, and Jesus crucified for me. But even could I see him die, I could but see a little part of that great love which, like a fire, is always burning in his heart. My dear friends, if you need any convincing of Christ's unashamedness of us and willing to identify with us, go to Calvary. Go to the cross where he died. See the Savior there hanging upon that tree. Watch him crucified, stark naked upon that cross and understand as far as it lies within us, the agony and the misery, the shame, and the suffering endured by the Savior gaze upon the battered, bleeding, bruised body of the Prince of Glory as he dies in the place of his people, our sins in all their blackest hue being laid upon him as he takes the full weight and the burden and the guilt and the punishment of sin on our behalf. Not ashamed, says Jesus in the light of the cross. And praise God, he's not ashamed, as we read here, to call them, to call us brethren, those whom he has taken out of sin unto himself. Would you know that the amazing extent of Christ's identification with us, this is seen on the brow of Golgotha's hill, as the Lord Jesus is dying the death of all deaths to reconcile us to God. And so, dear Christian, he has fully identified himself with sinners like us, and unashamedly so, that through his atoning sacrifice, he has united himself forever with us 
so that we would enjoy with him eternal fellowship in glory. All this provokes the question, therefore, are we ashamed of Christ? He's not ashamed of us. You who profess to know him, are you ashamed of him? If he has done all this for us, well then why, tell me why could we ever be ashamed of him or identifying ourselves with him? Sadly, however, there are times when we are tempted to be ashamed of Christ. We hold back from owning him as our Lord and Savior in front of other people. But we should blush and hang our heads in shame when that's the case. Why are we tempted to be ashamed of Christ? Well, let me give you some reasons. Perhaps it is the offense of the cross. Word of God says, 1 Corinthians 1, 23, as Paul writes to this church, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. And maybe there are times when we are tempted to be ashamed of Christ for this very reason, the offense of the cross, the idea that, that Jesus' death on a despised cross would, would somehow make us righteous in the sight of God seems ridiculous to the self-righteous and to the philosophically sophisticated people of this world. And so we might be ashamed to say that we, we are identified with Christ because we don't want to look foolish in the eyes of those who, who mock and scorn the cross. That's one possible reason. Another possible reason is because Christ is hated by the world. The ungodly out there who follow and worship the world, who are addicted to the sinful values and beliefs of a godless society, they have no time for Christ, either his person or his teachings. And thus, when we identify ourselves with him, we are consequently hated as well. Isn't this what Jesus said in John 15, 18? If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. The moment we are fully associated with Jesus Christ, we become associated with the one that this world hates. And if it hates him, the world will hate us. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So there is a very strong temptation from the devil and from the flesh in our times of weakness to hold back from owning the Lord as our Lord and Savior. I'm sure, I'm sure you've, you've been there. You, you've, you've felt this. Sure, young people, you've, you've discovered this in your life. Going into school, you know, especially into secondary school, we, we tell our young people when they leave primary school where it is relatively easy to, to be a Christian and to speak about the things of God, we tell them when they, they transfer to the higher school and they're now in among older children, take your stand for the Lord from day one. Don't you be ashamed to be a Christian. You let others know, and they will, by and large, respect you for that. But when you don't do that, and you're tempted to be ashamed of the Lord and not speak for Him, you're going to run into all kinds of difficulty and maybe even tragedy someday. Young people, you've felt it in school. Young people, if, you're, if you've left school and you've gone on to higher education, or if you're in employment, you might be just tempted there in the midst of the ungodly to be ashamed of the Lord and to defend the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
or we think of society out there, or this godless world in which we're living, wherever we are with people around us, may be tempted because Christ is hated. You don't want to be hated either. You don't want to be despised like your Savior. I'm sure there's many other reasons why we might be tempted to be ashamed of Christ, but there is one reason that must not be overlooked, and maybe this is the main reason. And it is simply that the person in question has not truly believed in Christ to the saving of their soul. They have never been converted in the first place. Belief in Christ was never from the heart. Just some kind of profession that they made. They said they're a Christian, but there was nothing really there. Oh, there might have been some mental consent of believing in Christ, but it was never in the heart where true faith springs from. I feel the Lord is speaking here in this text of Scripture. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 38, he's speaking about the unconverted, exclusively the unconverted, who do not know Him as Savior. First, those that have nothing but a profession, and then those who have been ashamed to believe in Him to the saving of their souls to step out in faith and and trust in His redeeming love. Maybe you today in this service. I say that because of the great day. If a man has, in a sense, been ashamed of Christ, Christ is telling us here that he will be ashamed of him on the great day. But that's that's what the, the verse is speaking about. And that means that Jesus Christ, when he says that he will be ashamed on that day. That means that he will disown and he will reject those individuals forever. As one of our Bible commentators said, Christ will not own such an one for his. He will take no notice of him. He will not confess his name. But as one that he is ashamed of, he will turn away from him, not so much as look at him, or say one favorable word to him or for him, but bid him to be gone from him as a worker of iniquity. And so the Lord is is not speaking here in this verse about Christians who fail the Lord from time to time, who succumb to temptation, and shy away from owning the Lord like Peter did. Possibly one of the outstanding examples of Scripture. In a crucial time, having boasted he would stand with the Lord right to the end, being ashamed of Christ at the palace of the high priest, swearing he did not know him, being ashamed of him, not wanting to identify with Christ, Peter, in that moment of weakness, succumbed to this temptation, and we know that he failed. But my friends, Peter's denials were followed with shame and tears and repentance. And that's what makes the difference in the life of a true Christian. When we are tempted and when we fail, it will be followed by shame It will be followed by tears. It will be followed by repentance. And that's what marked Peter out as a true believer. When he failed the Lord, he went out into the darkness of that night and he wept bitterly in repentance. And not only that, but the host of other things that are found in Peter's life that showed that he was a true believer. Peter had all the the other evidence of standing for the Lord and preaching him to a sinful world and defending him on many other occasions. The evidence of Peter's love for Jesus Christ is indisputable. No question mark whatsoever regarding his sad and his tragic failure. Christ said to him before it happened, the the day before it happened, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. That word converted is not evangelical conversion to Christ. Peter was already saved, 
The conversion there is when you're changed, when you're strengthened, then you go and strengthen your brethren in the faith. There are times when the true Christian fails in the matter of identifying ourselves with Christ and, and being associated with Him. When he, when he is attacked, we fail to, to stand up and speak a word in His defense. When we remain silent in our witness, nobody knows that we're a Christian. Even though, young people, you're at school with those young people every day, they don't even know you're a Christian. Or maybe in the workplace, and you work alongside those colleagues, and they don't know you're a Christian. There are some professing Christians who are ashamed to stand in the open air in the town for this very reason. For this very reason. They're ashamed of Christ. I'm not saying that you should be at the open air when the open air takes place, it would be lovely to see more people coming and standing with us. But there are those who do not go to the town for this one reason. They are afraid to identify themselves with Christ because there could be people walking by or cars that are driving by and their friends are there, their family are there, and you don't want to be seen identifying yourself with the gospel. You're ashamed of Jesus Christ. Some are ashamed to, to carry their Bibles under their arm. Bring their Bibles to church. I, I would say to you, bring your Bible to church. And even in these days when a lot of things are, are projected and you can see them up there, or in these days when you can look up the Scriptures on your mobile phone, bring, bring the Bible with you. Bring the copy of the Scriptures with you. You're able to turn to the pages and follow the Word of God as we read it together, it's far, far better than, than your phone. Phones are good sometimes, especially when you're out and about. But here in the house of God, I always remember when I was in Olden Broad as a minister. Some of you will remember, certainly, Pearl, you remember Willie Wilson and many others that, that have been here for a good while. Willie Wilson was an old man in his 80s and he used to walk from one end of the village to the other with his Bible under his arm every Sabbath day. He was not ashamed of the Lord. Of course, he was an old Salvation Army man and uh, used to taking a stand for the Lord and publicly identifying himself. But never be ashamed to carry the Word of God with you. Never be ashamed of it. Some are ashamed of, of bowing their head in public. You know, we come to church you come to church on the Sabbath day. It's always a good habit when you come into the house of God. If the meeting has not commenced, if the meeting has commenced, well, we're taught to, to join the worship because worship, worship has already commenced. We ought to be there before worship commences, if at all possible. I so some, some of you are leaving children home. That's, that's fine. We understand that. There's a reason for that. But get to the house of God and be there for the beginning of public worship, but before worship begins, take a moment when you take your seat just to bow your head. I'm not saying you have to do that, but some people are ashamed to do that when they come to public worship. Or if you're out in public in a restaurant and all the world is around you, there are Christians who will be afraid to bow their heads and, and, and give grace and just thank the Lord. And again, I'm not saying that you have to do that when you're out in a restaurant. But there are those who don't do it because they're embarrassed. If they bow their head and they own the Lord, even the simple act of giving thanks, they just don't want to be identified with Christ. My wife was telling me about a lead coach over in the United States of America. I think this happened last week. And one of the players, a young 21-year-old, he just dropped on the pitch with a massive heart attack. Paramedics came rushing on to the pitch to work with him. But the first thing, publicly, in front of the crowd, television, everything, the league coach led in prayer. Prayed for the young man. I don't think you would get that too much in the United Kingdom. Not ashamed. Not ashamed to own the Lord. When we have failed the Lord by being ashamed of Him, 
If you're a true Christian and you fit into this category, I tell you, you will run to him for forgiveness. You will be like Peter. When he failed the Lord, you'll get back to the place where you ought to be. And you'll bow the head before him in tears and you'll repent of your failure. That is the difference between a true Christian who fails by times being ashamed of the Lord and what we will go on to see next week of what Jesus is talking about in this text, people that are ashamed of the Lord and they were never converted. I trust that you felt the burden and the challenge of this service, this meeting, this message, and that the Lord will help us to stand for him in an evil day and be able to say every day, I'm not ashamed of you, Lord. You were not ashamed of me when you came to this world. You were not ashamed of me when you walked among sinful men. You were not ashamed of me when you went to the cross and you died for my sins. Lord, help me never, ever, wherever I am, whoever I'm with, to be ashamed of thee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless your word to our hearts. Help us not to be ashamed. Paul told Timothy not to be ashamed of the Lord. Paul was able to say, I'm not ashamed. And every Christian should be able to get to that place too. Help us to stand up, stand up for Jesus as soldiers of the cross and fully identify ourselves with our blessed Redeemer who identified himself fully with us when he came to this world below. For Jesus' sake, amen. 292, out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. Into thy freedom, gladness and light, Jesus, I come to thee. And then verse 2 says, out of thy shameful failure and loss. Maybe there's somebody here and you are a true Christian. You've been ashamed of the Lord in school and work and in the community, in your family. Well, you can, you can say, out of my shameful failure and loss, Jesus, I come to thee. Come to the Lord today. Make it right. Put the sin away and stand up for him. Let's sing of the words as we sing them in closing.
And Lord, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ or the Christ whose gospel we represent. We're glad that we can testify, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. We pray that you will bless your word and write it upon our hearts. Bless it to the hearts of all that are here, and Lord, where changes need to be made, give us the grace to do that. If there are those that need to go out and go out and weep like Peter over their failure and their shortcomings and their being ashamed of Christ, Lord, we pray that you'll give them the grace to do that. And if there are those who are not truly saved and they're ashamed of the Lord to be saved, Lord, we pray you'll break that barrier down and help them to step out for Christ and to own him. Separate us now with your blessing. Keep us through the afternoon. And bless the gospel meeting here tonight and other places. May the tide of blessing rise and may the Spirit of God descend. And may a mighty work be done in this province for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.